Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello and welcome to an episode of Banging Book Club. My name's Lucy Moon. I'm Hannah Whitten. And today we are here with Chadira, aka a- the Slum Fly. Oh, yes. <laughs> Let me check guys. if I know how to pronounce your surname. Agri, yeah. Okay, great. Just Woo. checking. Chadira Agri, otherwise known as the Slum Flower. And we're here to talk about her new book, What a Time to Be Alone. Which, which I love the title of. Thank I know. You. So good. Is it a play on Drake? Definitely. Yeah, of course. Just Shasta Lee. We never know. We never know. And when is it published? Is it out right now? July 26th. July 26th. Okay, so it's a little bit of time until it comes out, but we will just talk about it today because we've both read it. Yes. And it's great. Thank you. I think it is such a great handbook for young girls, especially, and like young women who are finding their feet. And pretty much, to be honest, anyone who still doesn't hasn't embodied those like cool concepts mm-hmm. yeah that are so vital to I think kind of female survival oh there's some music <laughs> yeah just we're recording on. in Peckham levels so <laughs> if you can hear some like noise music trains that's what's happening <laughs> this is just the new aesthetic of banging book club it's of like course. on location yeah yes. <laughs> background noise so first question that I have is what inspired you to write so I have spent my early adulthood being quite an angsty person, but the thing is, angst is an emotion that's associated with being a teenager, right? Mm-hmm. You're told you grow out of it, or yeah. eventually you'll stop feeling that way. But See, I me, never had angst as a teenager, I'm like waiting for it to happen, really? maybe in my late 20s. <laughs> so were you like relatively peaceful? I was, yeah, I was like goody goody two shoes. Oh my I still God. am, still am. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. Yeah, for yeah. me, I was always frustrated with you know, certain things just being the way they are and I'd always ask questions and not get answers or people mm. would treat me a certain way and I feel like that's not fair, I want justice. And so I just spent my entire adulthood just being really angry. But I felt like, you know what, anger is an emotion that can be useful because anger is what has created a lot of the change. In fact, yeah. all the change that we've seen has come from anger. Someone had to be frustrated enough to be like, I'm not standing for this anymore. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm going to rally up and gather people who also believe in what I believe in and let's form a movement and let's go and create some change out there. And so for me, I think this book has been about, you know, turning the anger into a conversation and allowing other people to feel like someone relates to them and that their angst or frustration or, or anger, I should say, isn't crazy, quote unquote. Yeah, because yeah. I feel like in your book, there are so many points where like you explain scenarios and you really just like, you nail it. Oh, in terms you. of just like um, describing a way that someone might feel in a certain situation, especially when it's situations where people may not know how to describe it themselves yeah. or like be able to 
put the words to explain how they're feeling or why a certain situation or person makes them feel uncomfortable. Mm. Yeah. Like there was a Thank bit you. in the book where oh hello, yeah, here we go. There was a bit. Oh my, it's just it was so quiet and now it's so yeah. Noisy. I'm like this will be fine, right? It'll be, It'll be fine. fine. Yeah. It's like we had ambulance sirens in our last episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was this bit that really resonated with me where you like described me, which is um, if I try and figure out why I dislike people, mm-hmm. it's because either I'm jealous of them mm-hmm. uh, or it's because the qualities in them that I dislike are actually the things that I dislike about myself. Mm. And I have, I just know this, like, did you ever watch Laguna Beach? No, what's Laguna Beach? <laughs> it's the prelude to the it's hills. It's the prelude to the it? hills. It's like, the hills. Hills. so like, you know, Lauren Conrad, the hills yeah, yeah. and all that. So before that. created the Made in Chelsea format, yeah. right? Oh, so yeah. Laguna Beach, <laughs> this shows my age, but like, um, there was, Lauren was like the, the main character mm-hmm. even though she's a real person in that and then there was this other girl in it called Kristen or Kirsten mm. and she was like the antagonist in yes. it even though they're all real people but she was like portrayed as the antagonist and I hated her but it was because she was me oh. <laughs> like, so there were parts of you that you wanted to change that you just I don't know but you just kind of nailed it in your book you were like oh, oh like you. asking all these questions like why do you just like this person and I'm like it's because I'm jealous of them or it's because yeah, they are me even jealousy is yeah. an emotion that we're taught to be ashamed of and yeah. for me I think jealousy is important because there are people that I till this day feel jealous of and it's because that they have managed to attain something or achieve something or do something that I'm yet to figure out how to do mm-hmm. and Jealousy isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think where jealousy becomes harmful is when you allow it to influence how you treat other people or how you treat yourself. Totally. That's where it becomes a dangerous emotion because jealousy in itself is just an emotion. I think emotions tend to have power when you allow them to influence your decisions. So it's just, yeah, we, we're scared of that word. I think also like when you recognize that you're feeling jealous, it's a good time to reflect on like, yeah. why? Okay, what's important to me? Like, yeah, because it makes you realize the things that you want. Yeah, it's a signal so. and you should just listen to it. Yeah, yeah totally. Right, second question. The book is kind of, I, I don't know, like rooted down through Igbo proverbs, um, which you learned through <gasps> yeah. your mother. Yeah, right? Oh, I loved it. How did you come to bring this into the book? And tell me more about that as a, as a whole in general. So, um, I'm Nigerian, which is West Africa, and my Nigerian mother raised me in the Igbo language. So um, I understand two languages, English and Igbo. Igbo was actually my first language. I was speaking that and went to nursery fully speaking it, and then I just eventually just stopped speaking it. But it's always what I've been raised on, and so. Can you still speak it now, or do you just kind of understand I can't speak it? it anymore? But I can like I can outdo Google Translate. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the Rosetta Stone of Nigeria. Yeah, Igbo, yeah, but. Um, yeah, my mum raised me on a lot of proverbs, and proverbs are really, really important and are treasured heavily in Africa because it's an ancient way of communicating. Proverbs matter because they refer to everyday, everyday language, everyday objects, animals, items, so it means that everyone can relate to and understand mm-hmm. it. So if you notice a lot of proverbs refer to animals or like household items like baskets yeah. or tr- palm trees, that's because... I think when you when you narrow down a message to 
you know, the essentials of what you're trying to communicate, it makes it easier to understand because it's so direct. And so when my mum used to use proverbs to, you know, make me understand concepts, it would make sense straight away because I'm like, yeah, I know what a lizard is. I know that lizards have scales. So of course that's why this thing is happening. Yeah. Um, is that the rat and the lizard going yeah, out in the rain? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so there's a proverb um, in the book that um, in English it's translated that when the... Um, rat follows a lizard out into the rain it's only the rat that gets soaked and what that means is you've just got to be mindful of the influences that you choose to follow because a lizard has got like scaly skin so if it gets wet it can just shake it off and, and go about its day but if a rat gets soaked it's got fur so it's going to be wet for quite a while so you've just got to make sure that the people that you're following or the influences that you welcome into your life that you have a stronger sense of self so that if anything you know does happen that isn't what you expected you know how to handle it yeah because you might not respond to things in the same way other people do it's similar to the John haircut one yes yes there's another proverb um, that talks about you know um, wanting the same haircut as John but not having the same head shape as John so like a haircut is, is a hair oh, style, but yeah. poor John John's setting the trend that's right John you go you go get your life John you feel cut but yeah um, so hairstyles are different and cool but I guess what makes something work is you know the kind of person that's carrying it so if you're not that person it might not work for you so again it comes back to individualism and figuring out where you stand amongst all the things that you're asking for yeah. which is again what my mum raised me on just being an individual like your hair is amazing thank but you but if I tried to do that like, it wouldn't work and also it would be cultural appropriation I think <laughs> yeah I think so. just, yeah I think there are certain things that if you know if you know yourself and if you know what works for you then you just stick to that surely yeah, yeah. but it comes from self-awareness and understanding like you said cultural appropriation and being aware of where you fit amongst certain things and knowing what is your place that all comes from self-awareness isn't there a, like a podcast called Slay in Your Lane? I just keep I just book. Is it a book? Okay. Yes. Oh God, I just keep cool seeing book. this phrase on my Twitter coming up. Yeah, and I'm like, what is coming out? Oh, okay. oh my god, you have to get it. Okay. okay. Slay in Your Lane. Okay. I just love Basically, the title. I'm just like, it's so what great. Is that? It's like a bible for young women who want to go out into the world and just oh, work okay. and just be able to have. Oh, that sounds great. So look out for that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Speaking of Twitter, Tadira, oh, yes. <laughs> you. I found you because you're on Twitter and yes. because you have an incredible presence on Twitter. Oh, thank you. Among other, among other oh, social media, but I just want to know more about your experience of Twitter. Do you think the book is a better way of, of kind of conveying your message, Definitely. or is social media more effective? And and like just about that kind of. The relationship between the two, I guess. So funny enough, how you find Twitter in general. Yeah. So funny enough, this book was actually Twitter was what I mainly used to write this book because my Twitter timeline is like a record of how I felt yeah. over the course of me having yeah. an account. Yeah. So Chidera does these threads I that do. are like <laughs> similar messages to in the book, but they're like very impassioned and very direct. Yeah. And I think that's why I like them so much. If I have a friend that's just been through a breakup or a friend that feels dependent on someone. You send them a thread. Literally, <laughs> you, you wouldn't even believe. I've done it four times now. Oh, <laughs> archived. Yeah, go. Oh, this this is, is the one for breakups. <laughs> no, because they're so effective because a woman will Thank read you. them and have like her self-worth will be on the floor and then she'll just be like, oh. Wow. <laughs> oh, I didn't even realize. Mm. Oh, and wow. that blows my mind. But 
it works. Anyway, sorry, tell me more about your Twitter. But yeah, so the reason why Twitter was really important to me when I was writing this book is because my Twitter is literally like an archive of how I felt. And a lot of the time in life, when you're in a good place, when you're in a better place, you forget what it felt like to be in that dark place you were in. So my Twitter has allowed me to go back to when I was in that dark place and see literally what I wrote when I was feeling how I felt. And I used those moments as references for when I was writing this because I really wanted this book to relate to people who aren't just where I am, people who are where I was, because everyone's at a different stage in life, and for this to be effective, it needs to meet people where they are. And so Twitter for me is a really, really useful tool because, like you said, it allows you to engage with people and put forth ideas that will, you know, give other people an insight into how they're feeling. But I try, I'm really trying to rely less on Twitter now because I think Twitter, as much as it's a community, can be very, very toxic and dangerous. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'd love to know how you found that experience if you want to talk about Definitely. it. Because I know we've both had our fair share of like bad internet experiences, I guess, with just having like an audience online and yeah. having constant unasked for feedback. <laughs> so, and as someone who says, and I noticed like a lot of YouTubers or, or a lot of social media people kind of dull down what they say and mute yeah, it a little bit. For safety. Yeah, whereas your, yeah. your purpose is to get louder. Yeah. And yeah. so, do you find that a really hard like dichotomy to deal definitely, with? Definitely, definitely, definitely do find it really hard to deal with because. Um, like you were saying about people choosing to dull down, I don't blame them at all. We're in a time when like hypercriticism is at its peak, where you can't do anything without people just overly picking it apart without making room for like human nuance. Because like in real life, you don't see people coming with that same energy like when they do online. Like, and also, I think the reason why is because again, it's the internet, so you have time and room to think about things in more depth and come with your wussy responses or just criticize things but also it's easier to critique things than it is to actually create something so a lot of the people who do critique youtubers and writers and you know social activists they do that because it allows them to feel like they've contributed to something because a lot of these people they aren't actually creating anything for themselves um but what i found on twitter is that it's not really much of a it's not a safe place to learn anymore in in real life we learn by being wrong and so in real life, it's best to have these really sticky conversations because it allows people to be wrong and be corrected. But once there's an audience, it makes it harder for you to actually learn anything whilst being wrong because people are judging you and telling you that you're wrong and telling yeah. you that you're never going to have an opportunity to learn again and telling you that you're a bad person. So there's actually no elbow room for you to recover. It's like you just become irredeemable the one time you make a mistake. And that's dangerous because, I mean, there needs to be a general conversation had about you know, where we're going with this. Do we want people to be discarded and ostracized or do we want to create an environment where people can choose to learn from their wrongs in a safe way? People don't really know what they want. They just want to cancel everyone and do the whole, we hate you, you're a bad yeah. person and that's it. I think the so. other thing that like, scares people about that is that like, when you're having those conversations in person, you can very easily go back and forth and go, yeah. oh yeah, actually no, I take back that thing that I said. Yeah. When you tweet it, even if you then go back and like, um, like do you an amend tweet, a yeah, like, screenshot, no. and it's like immortalized. There's yeah, one thing totally. that you said. It's like, well, you know, it's the dragging up receipts thing. Yeah, yeah. And, I think it's, but when you're having a conversation, like that's it's not yeah. the same. No, totally. I was just gonna say, I'm finding it really, uh, like challenging I guess to get over the Kanye stuff because yeah. I'm not gonna I, I can't I think I'm in the same position as everyone whereas the cancel 
that the element of cancelling someone I think is really important because he said really ignorant stuff but I yeah. want there to be a nuanced conversation about it yeah. I don't necessarily want us to just go we won't we won't talk about him anymore yeah. but because the problem with that's that so hard. when you cancel someone or you blah 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 is over party or whatever it whatever the, whatever the hashtag <laughs> yeah. is yeah, tomorrow yeah, I've seen that one. yeah like whatever happens when you just kind of go no this person is dead to us now what tends to happen is that person who maybe has some problematic views but if you called them in and talked to them it maybe you could like work through mm. ideas when you ostracize someone what happens is they double down on their ignorant views yeah and because they already feel yeah. irredeemable so like oh i mean you've all decided i'm a bad person i might as well just be a bad person what's the yeah. point so i'm trying and no well, one's they're seeing. feeling attacked so they're like well these people are all horrible so why mm. would i listen to them so my <laughs> views are correct and then they'll just like yeah keep no totally self-affirming that yeah with people with people who say really problematic stuff or have said really problematic stuff really recently I want us to continue talking about why it's wrong yeah. and like keep that conversation. And make it less directly about them and their character and more about why this thing is yeah. wrong because they're not the only person who thinks in that way. So people yeah. think in that way but they haven't said it. Yeah, exactly. And also acknowledge people's change over time and yeah, there's so, so, there's so much, many things right. yeah. and, that's <laughs> and it's why, so difficult. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely why I've changed my approach now online and on Twitter specifically. Like, a lot of time I see a lot of ignorant things appear on my timeline, like even people that I follow directly. Yeah. But what I've stopped doing is like quote tweeting. You know how you can quote yeah. tweet and say something oh that's morally moral, righteous, right? I used to do that, but now I'm like, do you know what? This person thinks in a particular way. Me using my large platform to quote tweet them, yeah. as much as what I'm going to say might offer them a new perspective that will help them, it's going to have a large audience that will agree with me and make it look like I'm bullying them and they're yes. not going to take the message in. Yep. So um, I just yeah. maybe DM them or that's if I care about them enough or I like them enough, like them enough. <laughs> or I just yeah. scroll past. Like, yeah. You don't have to fight every battle and you don't have to be like, uh, excuse me, this is wrong. Like, Because yeah. I think yeah. this has become this morally, like, moral absolutist place now where everyone feels pressured to arrive at this finished point. Yeah. Yes. Finished no, essay definitely. with 240 characters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Because yeah, also by quote-tweeting people in that way, 
like it's like why are you doing that? Because it you... makes you look like you're just posturing yourself. Like, yeah. Exactly. yeah, yeah. Look, <laughs> I'm the one in the right. Like I'm look the one that's really woke. This yeah. person. Yeah. I got more backlash when I started doing that doing than when more, I just really? like uh, quote tweeting and like oh we're trying to elevating people. but elevating voices that were really negative. So like oh. elevating criticism, not elevating people's like my opinions that I agreed with that were more positive yeah. does that make any sense yeah 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 like that for me was a you took someone uh, someone you disagreed with and quote tweeted them rather than oh no no someone someone, you someone, with. someone slagging someone else off mm-hmm. I'd quote tweet that and be like yeah I totally agree this isn't oh. instead of like now I try I try and make it try and re-channel something like a positive me opinion too. does that yeah, make yeah, any yeah. sense yeah. Absolutely. that's what I used to do as well yeah. and I just found that as much as people did agree with me but then it's like it's when I put myself in the position of the person that I'm trying to correct or the person I'm trying to, you know, highlight their wrong. Your heart sinks. Yeah, yeah. they're not learning. No. I'm yeah. not, I don't learn exactly. from people dragging me. Like, why are you, can you just yeah, chill out? I'm just like, shut up. <laughs> yeah, because in real life, you would not come with that energy. You would be like, okay, I don't really agree with you, but here's why I don't agree. Like, we'd have yeah. a more balanced adult conversation. So I think Twitter is not the place to have these fragile conversations. It requires a lot more time. Yeah. And when people can vote on them as well, I'm really oh. realizing the power of liking favoriting yeah and those kind of upvote equivalents and how yeah. that skews a conversation definitely because people will say to you oh it's only one bad comment and i'll go yeah but it's got i've got 100 comments and this one comment has 100 upvotes so it's basically yeah. it's like someone commenting in my brain the same thing 100 times yeah and it doesn't necessarily mean that mm-hmm. totally so, agree with you totally yeah. agree with you totally very interesting. Do you want to? But talk the internet's about? great. I also yeah. love it. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. I love it. I love it. I prefer Instagram. Yeah, I love Instagram. I'm now. I'm now gravitating more towards Instagram. I feel like it's more of a community. Yeah, I totally um, agree. Yeah, there's just less room for it to be violent. I guess. Like, yeah. And yeah, people on. don't. Oh no, just yeah. People, for me at least, like it's got that nice community aspect that we find on YouTube. Mm. It's like it's people who. Like, I posted something recently about, like, just so you know, I've got quite a few brand deals coming out. Was it on Instagram or YouTube? On Instagram. And everyone was like, get the money, get the money. Uh, <laughs> I love it. The back. If, I did that, if I did that on Twitter. People would be like, why are you bragging? Yeah. Oh, you fake YouTubers. Yeah. Or you do, it's like, you can't win. No, I literally get that all the time. Get, oh, you're just playing on people's insecurity. You're a fake person. Oh You're just God. using us to get money. We yeah. hate, and it's like, but then Instagram is like, wow, I'm so proud of you. I've been following you for ages. You've done so, it's like, oh, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Speaking of Instagram and Twitter, should we talk about Saggy Boobs Matter? Ooh. Yes, lads. Um, would you like to explain what it is first? Yes, yeah, so hashtag Saggy Boobs Matter is a movement that I created to highlight the fact that women's bodies don't ex- don't exist to be, you know, approved of. We just exist to live in our bodies. Like, we don't have to be likeable or hot or sexy to be deserving of love and respect and you know women's boobs I feel are a major issue because even if they're small even if they're large even if they're perky whatever they are we sort of seem to find a problem with them because we're taught that we are objects to be devoured and so it means that we spend our lives judging ourselves according to how liked we are rather than just believing that we're just bodies to be lived in and that we have perspectives and journeys and, and experiences to share and so that's why I want to use the movement to highlight that women are more than just I don't know appetizers yeah <laughs> totally appetizers I'm the main meal damn it for that's myself right yeah I'll eat and myself no yes <laughs> if that's possible yeah. I would and <laughs> Hannah that resonated with you a lot right <laughs> I don't know uh, well yes yeah, I've got massive boobs and so like see what size are you I am a 30g yeah. I'm 32E. I have been a 38 at one point. Whoa. Yeah. How did you go? There was a point where you were just sick of them. I remember I, you just being yeah. absolutely like, 
It's because like, I came off the pill and then I gained weight and so my boobs got oh, bigger as well. Oh, you came off the pill and you gained weight. Yeah, like I know. Normally I know. the opposite. I know. You go on the pill Bodies, and you gain like, like new literally yeah. what are hormones? I've no idea. <laughs> we don't know what that is. No. But, yeah, and, and then, but then I got um, ill and lost weight and then I ended up like in between G and H. Where yeah. I was before. So now I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Do you reckon it's affected your posture in terms of like the weight of the boobs? I've got, I mean, I've got a terrible back and I think it's from something between the big boobs, but then also having a job and a lifestyle that means I'm hunched over a laptop constantly. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so it's, I don't know which one it is, probably both. Yeah, like anytime I catch myself hunching while walking, I'm like, remember to stand straight. I like yeah, crack my back, back and neck all the time. It's terrible. Oh, my goodness, boob problems. <laughs> yeah. But I know I just love that there's like a saggy boobs matter movement Thank because cause it's like I have saggy boobs. Like that's just like my my reality, and I'm only 26, yeah. and it's only downhill from here. But downhill, like <laughs> See, we're taught to think it's downhill. No, but like I mean downhill, like down. physically yeah. downhill, not like it goes further down. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like like my so my uh, my big boobs comes from my mum's side, yeah. and my my great grandmother is still alive. She's like 103. Wow! Yeah. Oh my goodness! Um, shout out great grandma! Yeah, shout out to Helen. She. <laughs> <laughs> when she's like I've not actually seen her sat up in ages now every time I visit her she's like lying in bed but when she's like sat up her, like she doesn't wear bras anymore like what's the point really but <laughs> you're she, three, live your life <laughs> <laughs> like her boobs are just in her lap <laughs> just and it's just that's just where they are and I'm just like this is my future I must accept it because it's this also like there's nothing you can do about that right it's no. not like oh wear sports bras at night and yeah. your boobs won't drop yeah, like, don't wear bras at night that's bad for you yeah, yeah I've seen people like saying things like Marilyn Monroe says she used to wear a bra to sleep to keep no. herself why do we have to keep ourselves you rarely see men wearing like not sack bras they don't even wear <laughs> not sack bras because men, men are allowed to sag and men are allowed to have like, they're allowed to have droopy balls they're allowed yeah. right they're allowed to be human but we're not allowed we have to constantly be ready to be gazed yeah. At. And okay. that's not okay. And like, even saggy is a natural, it's a mutual adjective. It just means something that isn't upright. And so the fact that it's got a negative connotation is what we need to challenge. And that's why I wanted to use the word saggy. Like, I don't feel self depreciative about describing my boobs as saggy. Like, it's yeah. just a word. Do you um, wear bras or do you not wear bras? Like, what's your. Not- I mean, I only wear bras if it's like part of an outfit. You know those, you know those like lingerie, see for decorative. Yeah, on your Instagram, you were wearing the bra at an event the other day yeah. with like a suit, so it was like an open yeah, like a suit. Oh, and then you could see the yeah. I was like, nice. I don't think I've ever seen you wear a bra. Yeah. It's clearly forming part of the. Yeah, it's for an outfit. Oh, I but like for practical that. things, no. I don't really exercise either, and I've oh. had struggles with finding sport. You know about struggle when you're trying to find a sports bra. And bra it's like, It gives you unnecessary cleavage. It's like, I'm not trying to have cleavage, I'm trying to be held down. Yeah. But that's the only way. So how do you... When you have so much ma- yeah. like, material to work oh, Gosh. So yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't wear bras. Not because I'm like, ban all bras. No, it's just because no, I personally just choose not to. And if I choose to, then I choose to. But yeah. I'm just... I'm not, like, I'm not even against bras. And I'm not even against boob jobs. I'm just against women being judged for existing. That's yeah. what I'm against. And... Hopefully this movement will, you know, generate a much larger conversation about how we speak about women's bodies and hopefully be able to highlight that men don't men don't receive that policing. Men get to have, you know, round bellies, men get to have saggy nut sacks and they're not judged for that. That it's even like being celebrated now of like dad bod. You yeah. know, it's like it's like yeah, dad bod, go for it. Yeah, it's like, like if you should have. Where's the mum bod? Even like glorification. Even the beards coming into fashion thing, like mm. that can be left for like 
know. There's a whole we're never going to um, get like armpit hair coming into fashion, are we? Like, there's a whole dating well, app <laughs> for um, people with beards or people who like people with beards. There's a whole dating app for oh, I can't remember oh. what it's called. Do you know just like mouth wide open? Are you into beards? Yes. Beards are great. I okay. appreciate beards because... I'll need to remember what it is and I'll tell you. I can't Thank remember. Thank you. <laughs> Drop in an email. Yeah. yeah. We'll keep all that promo. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. But no, I think, um, I think Saggy Beauty Mat is great and I think it's also, it's kind of like a sister or like a niece to like the body positive. Yeah. The, the like original like radical body positive movement. Mm. I think we're getting more more sister and mm. like movements off of it. And I'm glad that you that? mentioned the original body positive movement because what I've been really cautious of is to not um, refer too much to what I do as like body positivity and because as much as it is body positivity, the body positivity movement was originally created by, you know, fat dark skinned women who wanted mm. to create room for, you know, fat women to be represented in media and, and disabled bodies as well to be represented in media as well. So for me as a, you know, slim, cishet, attractive woman I get to benefit. Off I the love world, that you included attractive in there, because damn right. Girl, <laughs> we cute yeah. as hell. Because also, like, you, in your book, you um, when you're talking about privilege, mm. you talk about pretty privilege yeah, as well, which I, I don't th- see many people talking about. But yeah. like, and that's also, also a thing: privilege of living in a place which isn't a conflict zone. Like, yeah. I was like, that's so real, and I don't even consider that as part of my day to day. Yeah, I, I benefit of pretty privilege, and so it means it doesn't mean that it's why I'm successful, but it's something that has allowed my message to go further. If mm-hmm. I was a fat, darker skinned black woman, I don't think Saggy Boo's Battle would have taken off with the pace that it's taken off with. Yeah. Because the world is more receptive to slimmer bodies and. Yeah. and prettier bodies and so it means that I'm really careful about taking up too much space in the body positivity movement because I already benefit off a world that praises people for being slim so with that being said I don't need to be body positive because the world is already positive towards bodies like mine but what I can do is focus on a particular body part that is shame and that's like boobs because regardless of whether you're slim, tall, Mm -hmm. fat, short if you have boobs they can be saggy or you can have hang-ups with your boobs so that's why I'm focusing mainly on that body part rather than you know like posturing myself as a body positive activist because as much as what I do is body positive activism I don't want to you know overshadow or speak over those who are doing the more important work which is about fat and disabled bodies being represented in media and it's really refreshing to hear you say how like the way you look you think has helped like propel your message further because I just hear like so many um like youtubers or influencers when they get asked the question like hey like you're relatively good looking like do you think that's got anything to do with your success and they're like no of course not I think just people just relate to me because of the content I make and I'm like no obviously I follow so many people right that I find attractive and beautiful and I found that I'm more receptive to what they're saying because they're beautiful and that doesn't mean that yeah. what they're saying is any less smart like mm-hmm. you for example Lucy I find you very beautiful and so yes. <laughs> and so it meant that when I first came across you I was like oh she's really beautiful so I followed you oh, and then I saw your work and I was like oh I like what she does <laughs> but you being beautiful was what that was my yeah. first like um, interaction with you was seeing your face and I was like yeah. oh she's really beautiful I'm going to engage with what she's doing 
it doesn't mean that what you're doing is any less substantial it just means that people are more likely to be drawn to you yeah. because yeah. you're attractive and that means that you have a much larger audience it's yeah. why models are attractive people because yeah. when you put a product or a message on someone who is attractive people are more likely to want to look at them which means they're going to spend more time listening to them that's literally it it doesn't mean that you're any less good at what you do it just means that you should you know consider that as a reason as to why you've gained more success than yeah. you would have had if you were less attractive and isn't it mad then that even on that like the people who have those kind of followings that are partially to do with their appearance then like edit and manipulate it and face tune it and all of that stuff like I didn't realize how pervasive that was in fashion blogging until really recently yeah I've started noticing like 90%, 90% yeah especially makeup bloggers. makeup bloggers and fashion yeah. bloggers what I've been noticing smoothing pulling yeah. oh really like, yeah. so not because I'd like do filters but I don't know how to do no, that I think, I think it's like if someone takes a picture by you know like a wall that's got pillars right or a brick wall one thing I noticed if you see the wall kind of shifting and curving then yeah. you can tell it's been altered or if you look at yeah or if someone face tunes so if they Why am I up their skin you can see an area where it's really smooth and then suddenly they've got pores elsewhere it's like yeah. I mean it sounds crazy and petty and um, you know pointing these things out but it's weird when you're in an industry that's image based but you're yeah. still altering your image and then yeah. claiming to be you know like totally. confidence and that's a bit of a twisted message but again it's like we make decisions out of fear or out of love it's one or the other so a lot of times people are scared and yeah, yeah. they do want to cover up and they still do want to hide and that's fine but it gets confusing when you're giving out a clashing message of being all about those things but then you're still altering your images yeah, so being that's authentic difficult. and being relatable yeah and then that's why I, I mean I yeah. used to I used to I used to have Facetune app and when I realized how it was making me feel the need to edit things I deleted the app because I don't yeah. want to feel like I should like, the internet is edited enough as it is. We are already putting out edited versions of our lives on the internet. We all want to make ourselves look more happy and more successful than we already are. That's just part of how, like, human conditioning has occurred to us. But then, now having to go and edit your photos in terms of, like, altering your skin texture and warping in certain body parts, that's just an extra layer of filtering. So it's like you're being less and less of yourself. And that, for me personally, is just too much. Like, I want to be as much of myself as possible. Obviously the internet doesn't allow us, like we were speaking earlier about nuance sort of things, doesn't allow us to be enough of ourselves. So I think being as much of yourself as possible, you'll find actually that if you're someone with a large platform and you're being yourself, people will still love you, you know? Like yeah. you can take that risk of being yourself and people will still be drawn to you. Yeah. I've always found like the greatest antidote to like all of our qualms with social media is just like hanging out with my friends in person. Oh my gosh, like, yes. The amount of like stress-free, fun environment that is. I'm just like, oh, this is easy. These are a yeah. bunch of people who I love and they love me and we can just like hang out and forget to post pictures. Honestly, you know what I mean? definitely. And that to me is like, I just, yeah. You don't have to Having that balance is really important. You don't have to overthink how that text came across because you're in person, you can just ask what do you mean and you can see yeah. the facial expression. Yeah. Like totally. all these things, it just adds up. But yeah, I feel like, I just, I just hope we never forget the value of human interaction in real life. Because as much as I do still love the internet and I do think social media is such an amazing tool. Like without social media, I don't think we would have, the three of us would have been sat here today, we wouldn't have met. Nope. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. our paths wouldn't, probably would have crossed maybe much later. Yeah. But I just feel like, as much as social media has its negatives, it's still really, really positive as well. Like it allows people to develop a sense of identity. I've been able to learn so many things and have conversations with groups of people that I might not ever interact with. And that's so important. It's aided me in having a more rounded understanding of other people. And so I do think as much as social media is bad, it can be effective if you just make sure to make room for 
real interactions offline as well. Definitely. I think on that note, I think we'll close it up. Oh, thank yay. you. Thank you so, so much, much for having me. I really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, no, thanks Great. for joining Great. us. Oh. Um, so, what a time to be alone is out. July 26th. Available in all good bookshops worldwide. Not the bad bookshops. Well. <laughs> Not the bad bookshops. <laughs> <laughs> is there such thing as a bad bookshop? I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. No. Follow Stuart on at the Sunflower. Yay. Pretty much every social media site. Thank you. Yeah. And in July for Banging Book Club, we're reading Beauty Queens. Yes. Ooh. By Libba Bray. Libba Bray? Oh, I can't remember her name. I don't know. We literally looked this up yeah. yesterday. Anyway, it's Beauty about, Queens. It's about, um, it's like Lord of the Flies. You know, Lord of the Flies. <gasps> like but it's beauty. Of, yeah, it's yeah. like a pageant. They get stranded on an island. We're really excited. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we're reading concept. that this month. I yeah. live. So okay. Yeah. And then follow us on at Bangin' Book Club on Instagram and Twitter. Yes. And then we will see you next month. Woo, 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 woo. Bye. 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 <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. Mm. 